Joy to the world anyway. That is what we are talking about this Advent and Christmas season. And let me tell you, even today, it's been a little bit of a joy to the world anyway sort of day. You know, hey, sometimes your technology doesn't work. Sometimes things have been crazy for the last couple weeks and my life has been a little bit of a mess. Started two weeks ago. I got a text message late at night Sunday. Hey, Brian, can you take me to the ER? My friend turned out to be, things turned out to be okay. But the next morning, I got a phone call from a former coworker of mine uh, who lives in River Falls, Wisconsin. He said, hey, Brian, uh, my son is driving home for Thanksgiving, and he's stuck on the side of a really busy road in Mankato. Can you go help him? Sure, I can come help him. And then uh, that evening, I got a phone call from my mother uh, saying that she was, had been in the hospital for clinic for sort of a normal, regular checkup, uh, MRI thing that they had going on, and they found an ominous spot on her lung, and so they wanted to do some further testing. Um, and then Thanksgiving weekend came, finally. Uh, I'll update you on my mom in a moment. Uh, so Thanksgiving weekend came, and we were supposed to host my in-laws uh, as well as my family here in Mankato. But my father-in-law had fallen uh, a few weeks earlier, so he had been put in a nursing home. So things were flipped upside down, and we went to the nursing home to do Thanksgiving. The turkey was mostly warm, um, but hey, we had turkey. Uh, and we had a turkey dinner together as a family with my father-in-law. And then this week finally came. And uh, Monday morning, we got some more news uh, from my mom. Uh, Things weren't quite uh, as bad as uh, what they thought, um, but the doctor did say she needed to go immediately to the ER. Uh, so Tuesday morning, the snow came, and then, of course, uh, they did make it to the ER down you know, over in Rochester, and they found out things are probably not cancerous, but um, she probably does have some problems with her lungs that we'll continue to figure out. And then Tuesday night, uh, my family and I volunteered to help out uh, a family uh, friend that we have, take care of their kids as they were out of town. Uh, they were going to be coming back in late, so I uh, got the shift of staying up late at night, taking care of the kids, putting them to bed. And let's just say that uh, one of the children did not sleep very well, and it ended with vomit. Sometimes life is just a mess, literally. And sometimes it's a mess figuratively. And what I want you to think about is when your life gets to that point where it's a mess. What do you do? Because let's face it, everybody has that moment or that time, that season when life becomes messy. It's just a mess. When relationships are falling apart, or maybe when your job is causing too much stress on your life, or maybe it's when your health is failing you. Life seems to get messy. Well, the good news today is that the Christmas story is the story of Jesus showing up in the middle of the mess. And we're going to take a look at that today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, if you want to open up your Bible uh, to Matthew chapter 2. Of course, I already mentioned this. This is part of our sermon series called Joy to the World Anyway. Last week, we took a look at Mary's life and how messy Mary's life was. But we also talked about how she wasn't alone in the midst of that. Mary wasn't alone. She had Jesus as well as others with her in the midst of that. The shepherds, 
And this week, we get to talk about a guy named Herod. Uh, so if you're in your Bible, or if you want to follow along on the screen, uh, you should have it up on there. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse number 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come here to worship him. Now let's pause there for a moment. Magi, sometimes we call them wise men, and that's sort of fair. Uh, it's not really a good translation, but they were what I like about the wise, wise men piece is they were respected because they were from the east. And this astrology thing had sort of become a big thing during this time, and those from the east were particularly known for their ability to read the stars. So everyone agreed that they were the best, and so when they came and asked about this, people would have taken notice. Herod would have trusted them and said, oh yeah, they know how to read the stars. And then we've got Herod the Great. Herod the Great was appointed a military prefect uh, in Galilee by his dad, and eventually he rose to second in command over all of Judea. By the Romans, they had put him in power. But he kind of got caught up in the middle of some family drama. The Hasmonean uh, family was in charge of Judah, uh, Judea for about 100 years when, Judah, when Herod came to power. But one of the nephews at this time decided that he wanted the power. So he contacted a nearby power to overthrow his uncle, and Herod flew up to Rome to say, hey, could you help us put things back into order and overthrow the nephew so that the uncle can be in charge again? But the Roman power said, well, why would we do that? Let's just name you king of the Jews. And so Herod went back to Judea with this title from Rome as king of the Jews. It took him another three years of fighting to actually claim his title. And near the end of that three years, he married one of the family members of the Hismonian family kind of in some ways to secure his throne and in other ways to win the favor of the Jews. See, Herod wasn't a Jew. He was what's known as an Edomite, which is a close relative, but not a Jew. So he thought, hey, marry into the family, gain some respect. So you can understand all of this going on, why it says in verse 3 when the Magi come, and tell him about this news that they're looking for the king of the Jews, that he says that he was disturbed by this. And all Jerusalem with him. See, Herod had only recently come to power. Remember the three years of fighting. And now he was being threatened by, get this, a baby. I know, you're all threatened, right? But he had been fighting. He's been in the middle of this family drama, and now this baby, Herod's life was a complete mess. And so I ask you again, what do you do when your life becomes a mess? What do you try to do? Well, Herod tried to manage the mess. He tried to manage it by eliminating the mess. So history tells us that even though he married into the Hasmonean family, it didn't quite help him out. He was totally fearful of all of the family members, and over time, he killed each one of them one by one, super suspicious of them. And now when these magi come and they're saying, hey, 
where's this new king of the Jews? That was his title. Where's this new king of the Jews? Where's he? Can we come and worship him? So what did he do? Verse 4 tells us he hatches an evil plan. He says, When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out and uh, found out from them the exact time that the star had come and appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report back to me so that I too may go and worship him. But we know that's not really what Herod's plan was because later in verse 16, it says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was again furious. And he gave orders to kill all of the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. So Herod was, Herod was threatened. His life is a mess. He had just gained power, and now there was this new baby king of the Jews who was threatening him, and he tried to eliminate the threat. I mean, it's a baby. It's got to be easy to get rid of. So he orders all the babies in the area to get killed just in case. Did it work? No, not at all. In fact, in verse 13, uh, going backwards, we read, when they had gone, the Magi, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Herod's plan of eliminating the threat didn't work, but it caused a ton of mess and pain for a lot of people. It was a lot of chaos. But before we get all judgy and say, you know, Herod's life, I'd never do anything like that. We might not go to that extreme, I will grant you that, uh, but we do a lot to maintain our Instagram perfect lives. Am I not right? I mean, when we can't manage our image and somebody finds out that our family or ourselves aren't perfect, we hate it. Or when there's too much unknown and our life feels out of control, we get anxious. Or when we can't seem to manipulate people and get them to do exactly what we want them to do, we get angry. And when we can't make everyone happy and we can't be everywhere at once, suddenly we feel overwhelmed. So I know for me, we have this emergency fund account that we keep. And any time that we spend money from that, I get super stressed. And I start to frantically try to control all of our spending so that we can get it back up to where it was as soon as we possibly can. And the question that I have for you is, when your life starts to get out of control, what are you tempted to do to control it? 
how are you tempted to control the mess that happens in your life? Do you try to control your spending like me? Do you try to control your health or your eating? Are you trying to control your image or your career or maybe your relationships? Herod's example might be a little extreme, but I think there's something for us to learn today from, from him. Herod represents what happens when we try to make ourselves or the thing that we want more than anything lord of our lives the leader the king of our lives and he could do that because he was king so he could make those things happen but jesus was a different kind of king jesus was a king who loved others and one of his early followers had this to write about jesus in the early church in the book of philippians chapter 2 he writes this, though he being God, uh, Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And when you think about it, these two kings are really two different opposing tales of two different kings and how they operate their kingdoms. On the one hand, we have King Herod trying to grasp as much as he can onto whatever he can. He's losing his throne, potentially, and he wants to protect and maintain whatever he can. Meanwhile, King Jesus is giving up his divine rights. He's coming down to earth to become a vulnerable little baby. King Herod is trying to create this temporary fear-based solution. But King Jesus is a humble baby. He's here to restore the chaos of all eternity. King, Fared, King Herod felt threatened by Jesus. But King Jesus felt no threat. King Jesus came to help Herod and all humanity put down the evil desires and things in our hearts that get in the way of our relationship with each other and with God. In Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 39, Jesus has this to say, If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And you might say to me, Huh? Wait, what? This doesn't sound like good news. Like, if I'm giving up control, give up my life, that sounds a little threatening. But I want you to think of it this way. And again, joy anyway. I forgot to grab the little thing. But you can imagine with me, I had a little uh, jar that I brought here today. It might be somewhere in the back. And if I were to put my hand into the jar, and I were to close my fist and try to pull my hand out of the jar... I can't do it, right? I'm clinging. There it is. Perfect. You want to throw it up here? I mean, why not? I got it here. I See, I got it here in the room, so why not, right? Awesome. Thanks, Nathan. Okay, so, right? Peanut butter jar. Stick my hand in. Close my fist. I literally can't pull it out, right? But if I open up my fist, I can, I can get it out, right? 
Jesus is inviting us to let go of the things that we hold so tightly to in this world. Maybe it's your image. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a relationship. Jesus wants us to let go and let God. Let God be the ruler of our lives. It may not work out exactly how we hoped. We need to be open to what God is doing in our lives instead of what we want. But you know the funny thing about it is, God is my ultimate provider. You know, when I think about my finances and the things that I, you know, one of the things I struggle with that I try to cling to, God is the one who gives me the ability to make money. And God is the one who provides ultimately for me. And my emergency fund at the end of the day doesn't save me. And, you know, eventually it's going to get back up there because we have a plan in our budget to put money back in there. It may not get there as fast as I want, but someday it's going to get there. It's not that I shouldn't have an emergency fund. It's okay, but do I put my trust in my emergency fund or do I put my trust in God? And I don't know what it is that you struggle to cling and hold on to, but whatever it is, I invite you to give it to Jesus, to give it to God. God will take care of you and will take care of it. It may not look exactly like we think, but he will take care of it. Jesus rose from the dead, showing that he can overcome the biggest challenge that any of us will ever face in all of life, death itself. You can't overcome it. It's coming, whether you want it or not. But the gospel story is that Jesus died for us and rose to life again, showing that Jesus has the power to overcome literally death itself. And if Jesus can overcome death itself, he can come overcome anything that you face. So this Christmas season, I want to invite you to let go. Let go of whatever it is you're holding on to. Maybe it's the holiday expectations. You know, things really have to go this way or that way. Maybe it's that relationship thing. Maybe it is your health. Maybe it's your finances. I don't know what it is, but I invite you to let go and let God. And then, hopefully, all of us will be able to say with confidence, and let's say it together, joy to the world anyway. Thanks. Let's invite the worship team back up.